Good morning, and welcome to Drawing the Morning. This is Stuart McClellan, the pastor of the Altoona Bible Church. We are conveniently located at Union Avenue and 31st Street on Route 36, the Columbia Park section of Altoona. We hope that this broadcast will help you think on the things of the Lord as you prepare your heart for ministry among the saints today. Stay tuned for the next 30 minutes of inspiring music, challenging stories, and a Bible study. Listen now as the Altoona Bible Church Choir opens our broadcast this morning with a song entitled, Why Do I Sing About Jesus? The sign the window read, Boy Wanted. Young John Simmons, though he was lazy, saw his opportunity and applied. He was quickly hired by the elderly Mr. Peters. The pace was leisurely, so he enjoyed his job. Toward the middle of the afternoon, however, he was sent up to the attic, a dingy place full of cobwebs and infested with mice. You will find a deep box there, explained Mr. Peters. Please sort out all the contents and see what should be saved. John was disappointed. It was a large container and there seemed to be nothing in it but old junk. After a few minutes, he went back to the ground floor. Asked by Mr. Peters if he had completed his work, he replied, No, sir, it was dark and cold up there and I didn't think it was worth doing. At closing time, he was paid and told not to return. The next morning, the old sign boy wanted to appear in his usual place. Crawford Hill was the next to be employed. When he was asked to tidy up the same box, however, he spent hours separating the usable nails and screws from the things to be discarded. Suddenly, he raced down the stairs all excited. 
At the very bottom, I found this, he exclaimed, holding up a hundred-hour bill. At last, the store owner had discovered a conscientious boy to whom he could entrust his business when he retired. Years later, Mr. Peters said, This young man who is now my successor found his fortune in a junk box. Then correcting himself, he added, No, he actually found it in his mother's Bible, because he heeded the verse she made him memorize. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. In everything we do for the Lord, we should be willing to do our best, even if it's a small, insignificant task. Every church needs workers who are dependable and conscientious and are willing to do the jobs that are dull and boring. Listen now as Scott DeLozier sings for us this beautiful song entitled, You Never Walk Alone. Long life's road, there will be sunshine and rain, roses and thorns, laughter and pain. And cross the miles, you will face mountains so steep, deserts so long and valleys so deep. Sometimes the journey's gentle, sometimes the cold winds blow. But I want you to remember, I want you to know, you will never walk alone. As long as you have faith, Jesus will be right beside you all the way and feel you far from home, but home is where he is, and he'll be there down every road, for you will never walk alone. The path will wind, and you will find wonders and fears, labors of love and Falling tears across the years. There will be some twists and turns, mistakes to make and lessons to learn. Sometimes the journey's gentle, sometimes the cold winds blow. But I want you to remember wherever you may go. Never walk alone as long as you have faith. Jesus will be right beside you all the way, and you may feel you're far from home. But home is where He is, and He'll be there down every road. Well, you will never walk alone. Jesus knows your joy, and Jesus knows your need. He will 
go the distance with you faithfully. Beside you all the way, and when you feel you're far from home, he'll be there down every road. As long as you have faith. He'll be right beside you, yeah. And feel you far from home. Home is where he is. And he'll be there down every road. Well, you will never walk alone. You'll never, oh, you'll never, never walk alone. You are listening to Join the Morning, which is presented each Sunday at the same time by the Altoona Bible Church. We begin with our Sunday school hour at 9.30. Then at 10, we'll gather in the main auditorium for our morning worship service. We invite you to listen to or watch our church services. Our services are on Facebook at Sunday at 11 o'clock and 7 p.m. and Wednesday night at 7.15 p.m. We invite you to visit our website at www.altunabible.org. Also, we're on the Johnstown Altoona Access Channels 9 and 14. And there are services available on the local radio stations on Sunday at 11 o'clock, 12 noon, and 7 p.m. If you have any questions concerning our church services, please call the church office at 942-2131. Listen now as Buddy Hand plays for us in the trumpet this beautiful song entitled, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
for hundreds of years, men did not know where Solomon got the stone from which he built his magnificent temple. Then one day, many years ago, an English man named Barclay was walking beside the wall of the temple with his dog tagging along. Suddenly the dog barked and disappeared from sight. Mr. Barclay looked for him and found a small opening into a dark cave, but no dog. Where could his little friend have gone? In a few moments, the dog popped up out of the opening some distance away. Mr. Barclay was really interested, so he came back the next day with some friends and did some investigating. Cautiously, they stepped through the opening the dog had entered and raised their lanterns. To their amazement, they found themselves in an enormous quarry, glistening with pure white stone. Passages branched out in all directions. Above their heads, they saw blocks of stone partly cut out, and on the ground lay heaps of chips from the cuttings. This great underground quarry was soon identified as Solomon's, for here and there on the stones were the Phoenician markings of King Hiram's men who were employed by Solomon. Translators found out that these markings carved on the stone were some of the workmen's orders. Today, guides point out places where the workmen must have hung their lamps, for their smoke discolored the limestone. On the floor you may see great blocks of stone some 15 feet long, 5 or 6 feet wide, and just as high. Outside the door of the quarry you may purchase many objects made from the stone of Solomon's quarry. When the stone is still underground, it is quite soft and easily shaped. But when it's brought up and exposed to the air, it hardens. These facts help us understand 1 Kings 6-7. The house, when it was in building, was a built of stone made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer, nor axe, nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in the building. Each stone was carved out for the particular place that it was to occupy in the temple while it was down in the quarry and soft. Then later, when it was brought out, the workmen fitted it into the temple without the noise of pounding. Today, God is building His church, and the stones He is using are living stones, for they are believers." The Lord Jesus Christ himself is the foundation, and all who have trusted in him are the stones. Each one of us should be pliable so that the Lord might shape us for just the place he has for us in his building. We should give our best for him so that we can fill the place he has for us in his plan. Listen to the words of this song as Carol Johnson, Cheryl Howman, and Penny Harris sing for us, Reaching. Woo! 
Once again, this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, our doors be open here at the Altoona Bible Church. Time now for our Bible study portion of broadcast, and this morning the topic of our Bible study is Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth, Mid-Acts Dispensationalism. Last time we shared with you what are some of the similarities between dispensationalism, Acts chapter 2 dispensationalism, and Mid-Acts Dispensationalism. Now we want to talk about and expand what are the differences? What are some of the differences between Acts 2 dispensationalism and mid-Acts dispensationalism? Well, first, the beginning and the commencement of the church, the body of Christ. When, when did the church, the body of Christ, begin? Dispensationalism teaches that the church, the body of Christ, began on the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2. Lewis Sperry Schaefer, a noted theologian, gave the following four reasons why the church, the body of Christ, began on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 was after Christ's death, it was after Christ's resurrection, it was after Christ's ascension, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Do these four reasons truly prove that the church, the body of Christ, really started and began the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2? And the answer is no. These four reasons only confirm that the body of Christ could not have started before Acts 2 and not that the body of Christ started on the day of Pentecost. All Bible scholars would confess there is no specific Bible verse which precisely states when the church, the body of Christ, started. But consider this. What is the church, the body of Christ? It is Jews and Gentiles joint heirs in one body, Ephesians 3, 6. There were no Gentiles saved on the day of Pentecost. If there were no Gentiles saved on that day, how could you start the church, the body of Christ, on that day? If you go over and read in Acts chapter 11, verses 1 and verse number 2, Peter then, when he, verse 2 says, when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. 
What was the reaction of the Jews upon hearing that Peter had talked with a Gentile about the word of God? They contended with him. Then verse 15, and I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. The beginning here is not a reference to the beginning of the church, the body of Christ, but a reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And then you can continue on reading verse 17. The church, the body of Christ, did not start in the day of Pentecost, but in and through the Apostle Paul. Mid-Acts dispensationalism would say, with Paul, somewhere between Acts 9 to 13. Here at the Altoona Bible Church and myself, we believe in Acts 13, because in Acts 13 you have the first missionary journey, you have the blinding of Bar-Jesus, and you have the preaching of justification by faith alone in Antioch of Pisidia. Another difference is the issue of, of baptism, water baptism, and the baptism on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 dispensationalism would say that water baptism is an ordinance for the church. It's not a requirement for salvation, but it is a requirement as a testimony of one's faith. The baptisms of Matthew 3.11, Acts 1.5, 2.4, they believe are the same as 1 Corinthians 12.13. Matthew 3.11 states, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Mid-Acts dispensationalism would say that the baptisms of Matthew 3.11, Acts 1.5 and 2.4 are not the same as 1 Corinthians 12.13. Acts 1.5 states, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Matthew 3.11, Acts 1.5 is John's baptism for repentance. Matthew 3.11, Acts 1.5 and Acts 2.4, the Lord Jesus Christ baptizing the believing nation of Israel with the Holy Spirit for power. 1 Corinthians 12.13 is the Holy Spirit baptizing believers into the body of Christ. And there's no water involved. Romans 6.3 and 4, Ephesians 4.5, the one baptism. Colossians 2.12, Galatians 3.27. This is positional truth and was not for power as in the day of Pentecost. The difference is who is doing the baptizing and the purpose. Matthew 3.11, Acts 1.5, the Lord Jesus Christ baptized them with the Holy Spirit for power. Luke 24.49, to be endued with power from on high. A noted theologian said before his ascension, this is a quote, the Lord Jesus Christ promised the disciples that they should be baptized in the Spirit, Acts 1.5. And in 1 Corinthians 12.13, Paul explains that being placed in the body of Christ is accomplished by being baptized in the Spirit. Since the promise of Acts 1.5 was fulfilled in the day of Pentecost, and if this baptism is explained in 1 Corinthians 12.13 as affecting entrance into the body of Christ, this is an irrefutable argument that the body of Christ begins the day of Pentecost. The ultra-dispensational realizes the strength of this argument, and he is forced to argue for two baptisms. Did you hear the word? Those words, ultra-dispensationalism? Ultra is from the Latin, and it's a prefix meaning beyond or further side, something excessive to an extreme danger. Ultra-conservative. 
How about instead of name calling and calling on other Christians' names, how about having some honest and serious discussion and a Bible study on the Word of God and it rightly divided? And you hear the word forced. The theologian said he is forced to argue for two baptism. Forced. Luke twenty four forty nine. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And you can read Acts 1, 5 and then 1, 8. Was the Lord Jesus Christ forced when he told his disciples these words, the so-called Great Commission? The baptism on the day of Pentecost was for power and not to place anyone into the body of Christ. The church's baptism, the one baptism of Ephesians 4, 5, is positional truth. It's the Holy Spirit baptizing us into the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are differences between Acts 2 dispensationalism and mid-Acts dispensationalism. As believers, I pray that you continue to study God's Word and see the truth of God's Word and it rightly divided. If you know not the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you never trusted Him, the only way of salvation is right now. Trust Him right now, right where you're at, before it's eternally too late. been listening to Join the Morning from the Altoona Bible Church. We trust that you've received a real spiritual blessing from this broadcast. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan wishing you God's best for now and for eternity. Jesus is my name.